book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number one, Matthew chapter number one, and it is great to be in church uh, on these weekends leading up to Christmas. And uh, just exciting time, and there's a buzz in the air, and uh, smells like hot chocolate and uh, peppermint and uh, candy canes and all that good stuff. Uh, how many of you, just out of curiosity as you're turning, how many of you like candy canes? Let me see your hands. All right. How many of you don't like candy canes? Let me see your hands. All right. There's a few of you. All right. How many of you like hot chocolate? All right. How many of you don't like hot chocolate? How many of us would like hot chocolate if it had caffeine added to it? All right, there we go. And um, I like, Starbucks sells white hot chocolate, white chocolate, hot chocolate. It's amazing, uh, amazing, life-changing, life-changing. Uh, so uh, just encouraging. I don't know why I told you that, but it, it fits. Uh, so Matthew chapter number one, uh, we all know someone that needs a Christmas miracle. We talked last week about the wise men and how they came looking for an answer and they went to the wrong place and how often in our lives we know that we need an answer but we do it and go seeking about an answer and we go to the wrong sources, we go to the wrong places. And we talked about last week in Matthew chapter 2 how they ended up in Bethlehem and saw the child and they worshiped the Lord there and then they went back home forsaking the commandment of the king but rather honoring the Lord. And this morning... We're going to see that the wise men needed an answer, but Mary needed acceptance. And don't we live in a world that wants acceptance, for good or bad? Uh, you know, the lost crowd, the world would say, man, accept us. Accept us just the way that we are. And, but that's not what the Bible says. And we look at this passage of Scripture where Mary, you see this young couple who was madly in love. They were betrothed to be married. Everything was going great. And even, man, they were going to have a baby. But there was a major problem because they hadn't come together yet. Uh, the marriage had not been consummated and uh, there was a major problem here. And we see that acceptance had to take place. We see that Mary longed for her husband to accept her. He, he said that he loved her, wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. And we know that Mary needed a miracle here. She needed acceptance that only Joseph could provide and we see that in Matthew chapter number 1. And verse number 18 is where we're going to begin. But how would you or how did Joseph handle this whole situation? When we talk about acceptance, and maybe that's you today. You need acceptance, maybe in a relationship or from peers or family or whatever the case may be. You might be here this morning and you're longing for, praying for someone to accept you. Someone to accept your situation, your circumstances, and whatever that may be. What does that look like? Uh, number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this morning that you have to accept the problem. You have to accept that there's a problem. Now let's look at verse number 18, and then we'll pray together. Verse number 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or this is how it unfolded. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put away privately or privately, secretly. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord 
appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the hope that we have that's found in you. Lord, we know ultimately that the answer that we desperately need today in our world is Jesus. Lord, but we know that we're a needy people. And Lord, we need a miracle. Lord, there are times in our lives where we fall short of our circumstances, Lord, our expectations. And Lord, sometimes we cry for acceptance. Whether that's from a spouse or from our children or from our parents or family members or, uh, Lord, our boss or peers at work or neighbors, Lord, we long for acceptance. Lord, I ask that you please help us to see that our acceptance is found in you. Lord, help us to see that the miracle that we seek today is you. And Lord, I ask that you please speak to our hearts. And Lord, for my heart, Lord, please speak to my heart. Please cleanse me of any sin unconfessed and help me to be clean this morning. Lord, if there's someone here that needs you, Lord, I ask that you please reveal yourself to them and help them to see their greatest need is found in you. Lord, we love you and thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you get that acceptance that you need? Number one, you have to accept the problem. You say, Pastor, well, I don't have a problem. You know, I, I might have a need. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a problem. Maybe it's just something that's needy in my life. Well, what were Joseph and Mary's problems? What was this tragedy, this difficulty that they were facing? Number one, we see that Joseph was stuck. Joseph was stuck. We already mentioned that this is unheard of. The marriage rituals were different than ours. If you've been watching or been in for any of our messages on our Song of Solomon series that we paused a few weeks ago for this series, remember their marriage customs were different than ours. It was very well understood that a marriage would be arranged in that culture. And all of our teenagers are like, oh, please, let's not go back to that culture. Uh, but, you know, you think about marriages were arranged. And then when it was actually time for the ceremony, it was a multi-day event, a feast that would last several days depending on the status of the family. And multiple people would come in, friends, family, neighbors. Everyone would come in cultivating up to the moment of consummation. And it would be celebrated. And as we've said before, the height of awkwardness. You know, uh, the fact that that was what they did. But this couple had not entered into the wedding feast yet. Yes, they were arranged to be married. Yes, they were viewed as a couple. Yes, they were even seen as married in certain aspects, but they had not come together. They were stuck in an awkward situation. And maybe that's your dilemma today. Maybe you're in a place where you feel stuck. Maybe it's a relationship where you feel pulled in multiple directions or a job situation that has you out of sorts. Maybe it's a financial burden or a physical ailment that people just can't accept, but there's no other way out. You know that many other people have felt this way before you, including the Lord Jesus. Remember Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 3, it tells us about a situation where Jesus was stuck. It says, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He endured a situation that was uncomfortable. 
He was in the middle of sinners being the holy, perfect, sinless son of God in the middle of a situation that was uncomfortable and at times unbearable. In the middle of people who were against him. And it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, to consider him, to reflect on what he did. Why? Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You ever been stressed? You ever felt like, man, I'm going to pull my hair out? I mean, I just, I am so tired of dealing with this stuff. That's exactly what Hebrews chapter 12, please don't poke your spouse, uh, by the way. Uh, you know, that's what Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about. Lest ye be weary, consider that Jesus has already been before you. Consider the fact that Jesus went ahead of you. See, you never, you may never get over what you're facing, but you can get through what you're facing. Did you get that? Let me say it again. It's on your handout. You may never get over what you're facing, but you may get through what you're facing. You know, uh, Pastor, my husband died or my wife died or my child died or my, I lost my job or I got fired or wrongly accused or whatever. You may never get over that, but you can get through that. You can keep going because the temptation is just to, you know, I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have uh, my little pity party over here. And, you know, the world just keeps going and uh, my life keeps going on, whizzing right by me. But you know, I feel like I'm stuck. I can't move forward. I can't go on because this trial is so difficult that it's got me burdened down. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Say, oh, pastor, but you know, that, that's different because that was Jesus. Why is it different? Because he was made in the exact same stuff that you and I are made of. And he endured. And the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So if he did it, I can do it. If he endured that, if he was stuck in that situation, if he was able to get through it, you and I can get through it. They were stuck Joseph couldn't see how this pure, godly girl would stoop to this level that he was committed to marry this girl. He was going to marry Mary before the black gospel group ever came along. Mary Mary is in the Bible. Uh, Joseph was going to marry Mary. That's where it was. But what do we see? What do we see in Joseph's life? We see not only was Joseph stuck, Joseph, number two, was spiritual. And isn't that... Let's just be honest. Isn't that our problem at times? Hey, I, I'm going to take off my spirituality card for a second so I can tell you what I really think. Yeah, you know, they don't, you can't separate, all right? We, are, we have the Holy Spirit. For those who are saved, we have the Holy Spirit living, breathing, residing inside of us. That is who we are. That is our new nature. That's who we've been created and destined to be, conformed to the image of His Son. And we're to live out of that. Not in spite of that. We're to live and allow him to flow through us. Joseph was spiritual. In spite of what he may or may not have thought about what Mary did and how she responded, Joseph was a godly man. We see in verse number 19, it says he was a just man. Not he was just a man. He was a just man. The Greek word is dikaios and it means virtuous, righteous. He was someone who followed God. And this is not his description of himself. You know, it's not Joseph saying, I was a good guy. 
This is God's description of Joseph. This is how God defines Joseph. It's a reminder to me that just because Joseph was spiritual didn't mean that he wasn't torn. He had this dilemma. He was stuck. See, this circumstance was not something that Mary and Joseph said, sat down and said, how can we make our life more difficult? How can we make our beginning of our marriage as tough as it can be? Because remember, what they would face would be unthinkable. They would be shunned. They would be cast out. They would be forsaken. They would be mocked. They would be social outcasts. They would be unfriended on Facebook. They'd be canceled by culture. This is where they were. And yet, knowing all of those things, not one of those things affected Joseph's decision making. Isn't it ironic that we allow our emotions, our emotions to get in the way when we need to make a decision? Well, what will they think? I heard a preacher say this fall, what decisions would you make if you didn't care what people, if you didn't care what people thought about the end result? Now, obviously, it's in a spiritual context. What decisions would you make for the Lord? If you didn't care what people said or thought about your decision, what would you do? How far would you step out in faith believing? You know, I, I just, my boss or my spouse or my kids or my, my, my neighbors might all think I'm crazy. Just a kind of a side note, they already think that you're crazy. Because when you took on the mantle of a follower of Jesus Christ, that ostracized you from a large portion of the world. You're different. So instead of being ashamed of it, why not embrace it? And be proud of the fact that you are new. Everything's new. Jesus has spoken. Hey, Jesus, it's you. You're the light and the hope of the world. Hey, he has made all things new. You know, I think it's good for us to look at Joseph as a model for how calm he was. Now, I'm sure that there was some upset feelings of emotion and tears and uh, words Oh, wouldn't you in this, in this particular situation? Oh, you know, I, I'm going to pray about that. I, I really, you know, thank you for sharing that with me, Mary. You know, I, I appreciate you being unfaithful to me. You know, I, I, I can see that this is brewing, but he allowed his spiritual state to overwhelm the feeling of emotion that he had with Mary. He wasn't hasty with his next step either. It says that he slept on the decision. He was minded to put her away. He thought about it, but he wasn't going to make a decision until he slept on it. You know, he knew that he had a step that he had to take, but he was willing to pray about it. You know, you and I at times in our life, whether it's spiritual or personal, we all have steps that we have to take. You know, and you can put it off, you can delay it for a time, but eventually you are going to have to make a decision. Now, I think about our decision, the Bible says uh, in the Old and New Testament, that today is the day of salvation. That is a decision we make today because we're not promised tomorrow. But following the Lord is a day-by-day decision. And you can sit over on the sidelines and watch people pass you by and your life not bring honor and glory to the Lord, or you can take a step. You can make a decision. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2 Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Those that are hasty in your decision making, 
You're prone to sin. Uh, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. It says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Have you ever talked to somebody and they had an answer before you even completed the question? Hey, let me tell you about a situation I'm facing at work. And before you can even get down the road and give all the details, man, here's what you need to do. I can tell you exactly what you need to do to fix your problem. That's what this verse is talking about. The end result is folly and shame. Hey, I want you to hear the entire equation before you give me a a problem, a, a solution. Joseph had to accept the problem first before he could move forward. And let's just say this. It wasn't just Mary's problem. Joseph was connected to Mary, so it was their problem. Let's just remember that sometimes other people's problems are ours too. You don't get to always choose how you isolate yourself from everyone else. If you're married and your spouse has a problem, that's your problem together. Your children have a problem, that's your problem together. Your church family has a problem, that's your problem together. We can't isolate ourselves. Why not accept the fact today that you and I will face problems and some of them will be connected to us because they affect those close to us. You know, there's nothing wrong too with a brother and sister in Christ that's in crisis or having a problem. There's nothing wrong with you connecting yourself to that problem either. If somebody's going through a hardship or a valley or a tumultuous relationship or a hardship or a financial crisis or they lose their job, there's nothing wrong with going up to that person and putting your arm around them and say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, that is what the church is, by the way. We're a family. We're a family. Accept the problem. Number two, we need to accept the plan. Accept the plan. Joseph already knew this was a problem. That was already checked off. He was considering putting Mary away. The only way out was a divorce. He believed that he could break this engagement privately, secretly, and it not hurt either party. But while he thought about what his next move was going to be, he received a visitor who gave him a proposition to consider. I see three things here in these two verses. Number one, he had something that no one else had. He had something that no one else had. Look at verse number 20. The Bible says, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Up to this point, Joseph didn't believe Mary's story. How do we know that? Because he was going to split ways with her. He didn't believe Mary. Why would he? This had never happened before. This is unheard of. This is ridiculous. We saw how he was contemplating ending the relationship, the commitment. But while he thought, he has a dream. The angel tells him the other side of the story that he had not considered. The problem was actually a miracle. Hang with me. The problem was actually a miracle. See, we don't view our problems that way. But this is exactly what had happened. A miracle had taken place and Joseph is passing it off 
as a problem. How many times has God done something miraculous in your and my life and we pass it off as a problem? You know, if I didn't have these crazy kids, my life would be so much simpler. Yet God gave you a miracle. If I didn't have this job and these crazy employees that I work with, I pray that every day. Uh, no, uh, if I didn't have this job, but God has given you a blessing in a job. If I didn't have this old beater, the fact that it's still running is a miracle, Pastor. We look at all of our miracles that God gives us as problems. See, we look and say, man, God, fill my bank account, fill my health meter, bless my family. And we look at those as blessings, but the problems are actually blessings in disguise. Those are miracles. Remember James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. When things happen and you're tempted, count it all joy. Be joyful about those. Yay! Another problem. Verse 3. Knowing this. Hey, how can I count it all joy? Because there's a truth that I can't overlook. Knowing this, what? That the trying of your faith worketh patience. When I acknowledge that God is doing something... It allows me to be joyful over what God is doing. You know, Augustine said, trials come to prove and improve us. Prove and improve us. So here's my question this morning for you. It was on social media yesterday. It's on your handout today. It'll be on the screen in a moment. Here's the question. Am I viewing my trials as an inconvenience or as an improvement? Am I viewing my trials as an inconvenience or an improvement? Well, pastor, I lost my job. What happens when God gives you a better job? Well, pastor, my family's in difficulty. Maybe God wants to restore something that's broken in your home. Are you viewing your trials as a problem, as an inconvenience or as an improvement? Remember Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you realize that our transformation takes place in our mind? It starts here and it works its way out. The transformation of our lives begins in our mind. Joseph knew what God was doing with the birth. We don't have that luxury. I don't get to see what God is doing all the time. Even after the trial ends, sometimes I never see the full result of what God was up to. Joseph knew he had something that no one else had. What did he have? He had a promise from God. Very loosely in our life today, you and I, we have the promises of God. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You might go through something, but you will never, as a child of God, go through something alone. You have the promise of God. You have something. Hey, get this. You have something the world doesn't have. You have a promise from God that he'll always be with you. And number two, what else did he get in this plan? What was God's plan in verse 21? He would see something that no one else would. He would see something that no one else would. 
Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son. Remember, this is not 2022. There are no hospitals. A woman to go into labor was a very dangerous, tedious process. You look through the Bible, you see death during childbirth multiple times in the Scripture. It was not uncommon for the mother to die giving birth to a child. Going through the valley of the shadow of death. But Joseph gets a promise here that she would deliver a son. He got to see something that no one else would. The angel gives him details, gives him the birth, gives him the gender. All of that. This is the ultimate ultrasound. This is where it is. And he would be there to witness it. This would be an even bigger deal who we, who, when he hears who this is going to be. And while we're on the inside looking out, it's easy to overlook the small details of what God is doing. But God does allow you and I to see little blessings along the way. Henry Blackaby calls them spiritual markers along the way as we follow him. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Ephesians 3, 20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. When I think about God's plan to use my life, I have to look at every detail as a part of his plan, not just the ones that I know about. Kurt Skelly said, the things that are out of my control are always God's will for my life. The things that are out of my control are always God's will for my life. Why? Because God allowed those things to come into my life. So they'll always be God's will for my life. I can't control it. Joseph had nothing to do with these things. He couldn't connect them. He couldn't change them. This is how God wanted them to be. So number one, he got, and what did he do? He had something that no one else had. He had the promise. He would see something that no one else would. And then number three, he would do something that no one else could. Look at verse 21 again. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. You remember culture. The woman would be asked, what's his name? But it wasn't validated until the father named the son. The father had to validate Yeah, that's his name. That's his name. We see that in uh, the book of Luke where uh, we see Luke chapter 1. Remember, Zacharias was mute. And Elizabeth says his name's John. And there's that difficulty. Hey, there's nobody in your family by that name. And they go to the father. Hey, Zacharias, what's his name going to be? And he writes down his name is John. Luke chapter 1, verse 62 and 63. His name's John. Now, they were shocked, but that was culture. See, remember, his name meant something. Jesus, Greek, Iesus, Jehovah is salvation. Old Testament, Yehoshua, Joshua, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus saves. His name, God saves. That's who he is. It would be like me telling you to take your medicine because it'll save your life. Some of you have medicine just like that. It is keeping you alive. That is the same thing. 
We're placing our confidence in something that is keeping us alive. And Jesus is our confidence in life and in death. He is our hope in life and death. See, Jesus is the spiritual medicine that everyone needs. He's the healing for every hurt that you'll ever have. He's the binder of the broken. He's the mender of the messes of your life. He's the confidence for every challenge we'll ever face. His name is Jesus. He saves. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a son. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The confirmation for Joseph. And Joseph would be the one to confirm his name. His name. You see, because he got a promise no one had, he would see something no one else would, and he got to do something no one else could. Think about it today in your life. What has God given to you that no one else has? God's given you your spouse, your kids, your job, your car, your home, your stuff. God has allowed you to see some things that no one else has. God's allowed you to see your story unfold, his story through your life. God has allowed you to do something that no one else could through his plan. See, God allowed our family to see him work nine years ago when God moved us from Charlotte, North Carolina, here to Crossroads Baptist Church, Fishersville, Virginia, who we had never heard about. Nobody knew where that was. And still, nobody knows where that is. It's great. You know, but I look at those things that God orchestrated along the way from our house selling within two days of being on the market for full asking price to getting a townhouse here with a three-month lease because the property management company said, hey, we understand you're a pastor and you're probably going to want a house, so we'll let you have a three-month lease instead of a year. From having the exact amount in our savings account that was required for a down payment that we never would have had, but God allowed through us situations of domino, of miracles that we saw unfold over a two-year process of time. God allowed every one of those things, made it abundantly clear that he wanted us to be here. And nine years later, we look back and see that was the goodness of God. It was the faithfulness of God. But see, God has written a story like that in your life. But can you see it? Can you acknowledge it? See, man, what a story Joseph would be able to tell. Even though in the moment, it was impossible. It didn't make sense. Why her? Why him? Why them? Why now? And you might be looking for others to accept your plan today. You know, I, Pastor, I, I'm that person. I want people to accept me. I want people to accept this part about me or this about my life or whatever it is. Could it be that you flip that coin over and say, you know, it's not that I need God or someone to accept me. Maybe you need to accept him or his plan for you. See, acceptance goes both ways. Maybe you need God. You need to accept his plan for you rather than you to expect God to rubber stamp your life the way it is. See, we see that we need to accept the promise. And number two, we need to accept 
the plan. And then number three, finally today, we need to accept the purpose. What was going on behind the scenes? We know the story. All along the way, God is preparing Mary and Joseph for a task, even though they didn't see it. But where's the validation? How would we know that they got the message loud and clear? How do you know that you have the acceptance that you're longing for? Maybe that you're praying for. Maybe that you're looking for, searching for, asking for. How do people know that they've been accepted? The first thing we see in verse 22 and 23 is there was a word. There was a word. Look at verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, bring forth a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You know, he was able to connect, the angel connected back to the Old Testament, the passage we read Isaiah seven fourteen a moment ago, how that a prophecy had been made and it was going to be fulfilled through this birth. But two chapters later after that in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace shall, shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom to order it, establish it with justice, judgment and justice forever, henceforth forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, that might seem like nothing to us until we look back to verse 20. Remember when the angel spoke to Joseph, he didn't just say, Joseph, Joseph. He called him something. Did you miss it? Did you see it? He said, Joseph, thou son of David. Why is that? Such a big deal. Because he was in the royal bloodline of King David. He was a part of David's family tree. And it tells us in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, that Jesus would sit upon the throne of David. He would be a part of his family. Now say, Pastor, big deal. What's, what's the significance? Well, let me ask you a very simple question and think about it before you respond. Was Joseph the father of Jesus? Yes or no? No. God's the father. But the word of God gives us insight and Joseph got to be included in Jesus' family. Even though he wasn't a part of Jesus' family, the angel connects the dots and says, Joseph, you're not a part of this. You didn't have anything to do with this. This is a work of God. But because of who you are and your faithfulness, you get a reward. He got to be connected to Jesus. Even though he wasn't the father, he got to be connected to Jesus. How do we know that? Because there was a word. There was a word. The scripture gave insight to the promise that Joseph was encouraged by. Hey, I, this is not my doing, but I get to ride on the coattails. You know, the stuff that God does for you, you and I, we know we don't deserve it. But because we're a part of his family, 
He allows us to reap the reward of his family connection. That's where it is, church. Hey, and how do we know that? We don't just assume that. We don't just believe that. There's a word that confirms that. That's how we know. See, we accept the promise. We accept the plan. But there is an ultimate purpose behind this. And how do we see that? We see it through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hope in life and in death. There was a word. There is a word. George Mueller said, through his word, our father speaks to us, encourages us, comforts us, instructs us, humbles us, and reproves us. God's purpose is always validated through his word. Through his word. That's why God would never lead us to do something that's against his word. Well, pastor, I I believe that God wants me to divorce my spouse and marry this other person that I'm already dating. That is not in God's word. That's not God's purpose. It's not validated in God's word. Uh, Pastor, I believe that God wants me to live this alternative lifestyle. That's not in God's word. It's not validated in his word. Well, pastor, I believe that God wants me to, uh, to believe this new and cool doctrine that everybody else is grabbing onto. If it's not validated in his word, that's not God's plan. We go to his word. His word is the final authority for everything that we do. There's a word. God tells us in his word that he loves us and accepts us just where we are. But here's the thing. His intention is not to leave us where we are. God, Pastor, I want people just to love me just the way that I am. Oh, we love you. But if we love like God loves, there is no intention that you stay the way that you are. There should be growth. There's a word. But lastly this morning, there was a way. There was a way. See, Joseph now had a big decision to make. Do I accept this woman as my wife? And what do I do? Yes, I can marry her. Yes, I can have all of the benefits of having this relationship with my spouse. But what is the right way to go about this? Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel had bidden him, took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. We know that God's word wants to inform us. But not just that. God's word is meant to transform us. But how will others know that we've taken hold of that? Remember, Jesus said, Luke 6, 46, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How do others know that his word is taken hold in my life? By the way that we follow Christ. By the way that we live. By how we respond to his word. See, Joseph took Mary into his own home and abstained from any kind of marital intimacy Because he knew what was at stake. Church, this morning, do you realize how much is at stake in 2022? 
That's not a political thing. How much spiritually is at stake? We are in a spiritual battle for the souls of men. We cannot, nor do we have time, to act frivolously and flitter about our lives like it has no purpose. Because God is at work, and there is a word. There are promises. Yes, God is loving. Yes, God is merciful. But God is also just and righteous and holy and cannot excuse sin. But there is a way. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs tells us. But he has made a way, and acceptance begins with God. See, God wants to accept us just the way that we are and has no intention of leaving us the way that he finds us. He has every desire to transform our lives from the inside out. So, Pastor, I I like my life the way that that it is. I have a good life. I'm a good person. It's not what the Bible says about you and I. The Bible says there's nothing good about us. But he wants to change us. He wants to accept us. But will 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 we accept him? He wants to accept us, but will we accept him his way? It's not me kicking and screaming. It's me submitting to him. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Those people who came in and said, I believe God's word and I want to follow God's way. God received them in his body. It's the same thing today. God will accept you and receive you if you come to him. His way. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. What's God's way? Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Or have you accepted his plan? Have you accepted the promises that he's made to you through his word? Have you accepted his plan for your life? Have you seen things that no one else has seen? Have you been a part of stuff that no one else could or would? And then have you seen that his word has a purpose for your life? Have you seen that there is a way where we fall in line and we follow and live out that purpose? It's through humble submission to his will. See, the purpose of God's purpose of God for our life is to redeem us then set us on a path of growth and change that makes us look like Jesus. Can you accept that? Are you in need of acceptance today? That acceptance begins with him. Do you need acceptance? And if you do, will you accept the plan that he has for your life? Joseph did, and he got to see some amazing things through the life of the Son of God. Hey, if you'll accept his plan, you'll get to see some amazing things that will be carried out by following Jesus as your Savior. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me ask you two questions this morning as we prepare for our time of reflection and invitation. Our personal workers will be right down front in just a moment. Let me ask you very simply, have you accepted his plan for your life? Has there been a time in your life where you've come to him for salvation? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Are you 
saved today. You might say, well, pastor, I've never done that. I don't know what that's like. I I don't know that my sins have ever been forgiven. I'm just not sure, convinced that that's me. You know, salvation is so simple. It's accepting what Jesus did on the cross. It's believing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, knowing that Jesus died for you, and then it's calling on him, asking him to apply what he did on the cross for your life. That is salvation, plain and simple. It's not difficult, but it does require faith. And maybe you're in the room and you're, or you're watching online and you've never done that. Could I challenge you this morning to talk to the Lord and Simply admit that you're a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner, Lord. I I know that if I die the way that I am, that I deserve to be separated from you for all eternity. Maybe you would say, Lord, I, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that if I ask you to save me, that you, by faith, you will do what you said that you would do and you will save me and forgive me. Maybe that's what you need today. Maybe you're here and you've already done that and you simply need to accept the plan that he's unfolding in your life. Maybe the acceptance that you and I require is to come to him and say, Lord, wherever you lead me, I'll follow you. Lord, I've been struggling. I've been fighting your plan, your purpose in my life. Maybe you just don't see it and you feel like you've got to see it to follow, but that's not faith. A walk of faith requires following the Lord into the unknown, but trusting that he knows where you're headed. Maybe that's what you need today. And maybe in this moment that you would simply stop long enough to talk to him and ask him to help you. Maybe that's what you need. Would you simply talk to the Lord this morning about what he's talked to you about? Our personal workers are going to be right down front in just a moment. Brother John, our associate pastor, is right down front. If you need to talk to someone, pray with someone, someone to answer questions for you, maybe you need to take a step this morning, whatever it is, would you simply do what God wants you to do this morning? Father, please bless our time of invitation. Please do a work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I ask that you would please help us to see you work. Thank you so much for sending us your son. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sin. And Lord, I ask you now that you please help people to take their step, whatever that may be, whether it's salvation or surrender to you, or maybe they need to be baptized or join the church or be involved in discipleship or serve, whatever. Lord, please help us to be serious about taking a step. Lord, help there to be some urgency today in how we proceed from here. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for being our hope in life and in death and giving us promises and assurances from your word. You didn't leave us here alone. Lord, you confirmed your plan for our lives. Lord, I ask that you please bless this time of reflection now in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us, please. Pastor Tim's going to lead us in song. Our personal workers are right down front. Would love to talk to you, pray with you, whatever you may need.